What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angle Sunday Recap Podcast. My name is Raymond Summerlin. You join us live as I'm watching a field goal kick from the Seattle Seahawks that will determine uh, how good my betting day was. So I really need this kick to go through. But I'm going to try to focus. We're going to try to focus up here for our Sunday Recap Podcast. You know, we do this every week. 7.30 Eastern over on the Sharp Football YouTube. So come and join us. We already got some questions in the chat. We'll get to that here in a second, Tristan. So come and join us. Put some questions in the chat. Uh, commiserate with us. Uh, get sad with us about various betting losses and the missed field goal that we're probably about to watch and uh, really have a good time. Who's us? I suppose that's a good question. I am joined, as I am every week, by Curtis Hirsch and Tucker Bagley. Uh, Curtis, I need you to just vamp here for a second while I watch this field goal and uh, and hope for the best. Yeah, How are we doing, okay, Curtis? Man, Jason Myers is like a, a legend these last couple of weeks. He had 20-some fantasy points last week. I think he's going to have a big game again this week. So it's nothing but net. Oh, it's no good. Oh, it no. was no good. I... Oh, no. <laughs> and, and let's uh, cut to Tucker for uh, <laughs> intro. On that yeah, one. Tucker, what's your reaction here? Yeah, you know, it, it's not great. I, I feel for you. I feel for the, the Seahawks, who really had a chance to continue their, their climb mm. into the NFC. But, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Curtis is happy, right? The Cowboys move up in, in the NFC standings. I think they're now the, the top wild card spot after today. So there is some good, I, I think, to, to this group of of hosts here uh yeah, no, there we go i i guess i guess we should just talk about this game while we're at it i mean i guess we can lead in it wasn't what we intended to talk about at the top but you know kind of here we are it was an interesting game because uh seahawks defense did really well the refs uh there were some there were some questionable calls against the seahawks defense allowed the rams to get back in geno smith left this game he took a really hard hit on a throw hit the ground hard left with an elbow injury was having it iced on the sideline, came back in for that last drive with a sleeve on, was able to lead the Seahawks to put them into field goal position in position to win that game. And obviously they they missed the field goal, especially if you're watching live, you could tell from my reaction that they, they missed that field goal. But I think your point here about the Seahawks and kind of this being a tough loss, they get the 49ers this week on a short week. They also lost um, Ke- uh, Kenneth Walker, in this game to an oblique injury. It looks like Gino. I mean, the fact that it wasn't immediate, he came back in. I, I don't know if that was adrenaline. I'm not sure, but I guess probably Gino plays on Thursday. Kenneth Walker, I don't know. This was a this was a tough loss for the Seahawks. I mean, they're gonna make the playoffs. The the NFC playoff field is set. Like I, there's the only question is who's gonna win the NFC South. They're gonna make the playoffs, but this is kind of a tough, a tough loss for them, Tucker. So I guess first of all, kind of what's your thoughts on Gino, Kenneth Walker, the injury situation, and then I guess the game overall. Yeah, I mean, this is always a, a tough week for injuries with Thanksgiving coming up. And not only do you have the, the six teams playing on Thursday, you have two more in New York and, Friday, yeah. and the Dolphins playing on Friday. So that's eight teams playing on a, on a relatively short week. And normally, if a team's coming up on Thursday Night Football, we basically say, count that guy out. He's not playing. Regroup it, and you'll see him next week unless it's something incredibly minor. So the fact that Gino came back, I, I do think, is a good sign. Like you said, it might be adrenaline. I doubt, no matter how he's feeling, he's going to be at practice this week right maybe limited participation by wednesday but certainly not full participation all week but then you know compare that to, to kenny walker who's dealing with the uh, oblique injury that's something that seems like that would keep him out um this week I, I would be surprised if we saw him on thursday and then for seattle moving forward i mean you mentioned it's kind of funny because i think there's a really clear top four in the nfc right now and 
Seattle and is probably the the next guy in there and there's really nothing after them right mm-hmm. like like there's seven spots for six teams and even though I think if you compare the the top of each conference the NFC's top four might be better than the AFC's top four it's completely different because there's about six teams in the NFC who I think are worthy of a playoff spot and about 11 teams in the AFC who I think legitimately have a realistic shot at making the postseason even a team like the Broncos who I don't think are really any good you look at their schedule moving forward, the fact that Los Angeles lost today, I think Denver, I think they're going off at like plus 550 right now to make the postseason. They have a pretty winnable schedule. They can make it. I mean, the AFC right now, the bottom of that conference, is just absolute chaos right now compared to the NFC where it seems like no matter what Seattle tries, I don't think they can work their way out of a playoff spot. It would be difficult. I mean, they do have a, a, a decently tough run. They get the 49ers. In two of their next three games, I believe, I believe that's their schedule. But yeah, I mean, who's going to, there's no other team there to jump up and take it from them. Like, I I legitimately think it is the teams that are in the playoffs in the NFC already set, except for the NFC South and who will win the NFC South, the other team. Like, I kind of think that that's where we are in there. And so it's it's kind of an odd situation. Curtis, um, you know, we had Kenneth Walker leave this game. I assume Zach Charbonnet is rostered in most leagues. We also had Cooper cup leave this game with an ankle injury. He came back and was like on the sideline testing it out, but then was ultimately ruled out. So there, there could be some fantasy takeaways here, some waiver wire takeaways here for those two injuries. Any thoughts on, on kind of that situation? Yeah, it looks like Zach Charbonnet could be a league winner because I did read a quick blurb on Kenneth Walker's injury and it could be related to a sports hernia. He's always been dealing with something since the beginning of the, season and if he needs a surgery for that or now we're getting deeper into the season he's probably going to need a few weeks off and yeah Zach Charbonnet could be the go-to guy and he could have a three down workload but Pete Carroll always seems to find a way to put DJ Dallas or he's going to sign some greasy veteran any Macintosh (laughs) yeah that one year he went out and got Adrian Peterson just for no good reason so Zach Zach Charbonnet is going to get a bulk of the carries but uh Pete Carroll always finds a way to hide one more running back onto the field and it's 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 weird but he's definitely worth having moving forward if you're in some shallower leagues where he's available that's probably your last chance to spend all your fab on someone who's going to make a big difference. And then, yeah, we'll is see that, what happens. Zach Charbonnet, I, I just want to say, Zach Charbonnet mm-hmm. is going to be the classic, well, he's not available in my league player this week. And so yeah. all of the cool kids, all the cool fantasy football kids will be happy to tell you how Zach Charbonnet mm-hmm. is not available in their league. But what I will tell you is I'm in a 14-team league with super, super, super shallow benches and no IR spots. Like three, four mm-hmm. bench spots, no IR spots. It gets wild in there, some of the players that are available. And those kinds of leagues, players are available in a 10-team league. Zach Charbonnet might be available. Right. There are leagues where he's out there. And so definitely check on him because I think you're right especially how quickly Kenneth Walker was ruled out. It was really quick rollout for him. Right. That certainly that certainly suggests some issues. Sorry, I cut you off with, with Cooper Cup. What do you think about Cooper Cup? Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, he's just just a weird season from him. He came back in that first game. Yeah. He was all fire, fire hot. And then ever since then, it hasn't been the same thing. And even today, he, he absolutely missed read a ball in the air the way it was a walk-in touchdown it was like how does he miss cooper cup hasn't missed that in two years so see he's always obviously dealing with some stuff still from might might be multiple injuries like i I said in a group text earlier we're in week 11 everyone's playing with some sort of bumper bruise and it's hard to list all of them 
moving forward. But something's up there, and it, I think Puka Nakua just becomes that this game they seem to turn to him after Cooper Cup went down. So it's tough to decide. Yeah. I have some I have some best ball teams uh, where. Puka had carried them early and then they've been doing well late. And so they're, you know, in their in advanced position. And if this is a serious ish injury for Cooper cup, we could be right back into the Puka Nakua we had early in the season, which was just that a monster, an absolute yeah. wide, weekly wide receiver one. And I mean, Stafford took a bit hit, big hit in this game, but obviously came back and led what ultimately was the game winning drive. He's waiting now. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Yeah. So, yeah, we need Stafford to stay healthy, is what Curtis is saying. <laughs> and so, yeah, but so we'll see kind of where that goes. But yeah, that's for Puka, that, that ultimately is the takeaway here is we might be right back, especially if your season's done and you're just playing DFS, yeah. we might be right back into back the, to the Puka. Puka and Kyron, and, and they only go to the two guys. That becomes like 60% of the touches between the two, is my belief if Cooper Cup is seriously injured. But we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I hope. I hope you enjoyed. Everybody enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed my final Daryl Henderson touchdown of mm -hmm. the year. So I'm, I'm happy, Daryl Henderson. Thank you mm -hmm. for that touchdown. Speaking of things that we're happy about, we had our free week. It actually ended last week. I hope you got in on that. But we were amazing through the free week. We've been amazing all season on our on our recommendations over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Since the start of November, we're 10 and 2 on computer totals, 15 and 5 on elevated plays. For the entire season, a $100 better at sharpfootballanalysis.com using our recommendations would be up $3,924, which is which is pretty darn good. And we still have those subscriptions available. We still have all of that available for the rest of the season. You can use code TAKE60, T-A-K-E-60, to get 60% off our NFL Plus package. That offers sides, totals, and all of our all of our props and all of our fantasy information or our fantasy packages. Get access to Rich Rebar's worksheets. All of that, you can get 60% off with TAKE60. Head over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and make sure you check that out. All right, let's get into what we actually wanted to lead the show with. And that is a very simple question, a question that I posed on Twitter that I still do not have an answer to. How does Brandon Staley still have a job? Tucker, how does Brandon Staley still have a job? It's a mystery, right? Like it's, you just watch the Chargers every week. And it's funny because when we talk about the Steelers, you, you see them win and he often question, well, how did that happen, right? Like the whole thing, they got outgained in every game so far this season or nine straight games, whatever it was. But because they have Mike Tomlin and because they're able to, you know, find some advantages in the margins, they have a pretty good defense. They end up winning. Chargers are kind of the opposite, right? Like they have a, a pretty good roster. They have a good team. You know, Justin Herbert, again, threw for two touchdowns and 260 yards and still wasn't enough, still only put up 20 points, still lost and, yeah, at this point, like, I don't know if there's anyone else to blame besides Brandon Staley and what this team has accomplished. I mean, they're in the same spot they were when he took over. They have a quarterback now in Justin Herbert who is going to be due for a contract extension very soon and has never played a snap of postseason football. I mean, the biggest cheat code in the NFL, and I think it's become cliche, but there's a reason for that because it's true, is having an elite quarterback on a rookie deal, right? That's why the Bengals were able to go to the Super Bowl with Joe Burrow a couple of years ago. That's why the Eagles were able to have success with Jalen Hurts and even Carson Wentz five years ago. Chargers have had a guy who's played at a Pro Bowl level on his rookie contract each of the last three years, and they haven't even made it to the postseason. I mean, what they've done the last couple of years is, has been a marvel of underachievement. So I just, 
at this point, like maybe they're just going to ride it out with Brandon Staley because the fact that he's still here is surprising. So I, I guess if he's gone, I would be more surprised than I'm not, but he, he shouldn't be there. I, like he shouldn't have a did job. Did anyone well, see right? the F post game interview? He, he doesn't want to be there anymore. He knows the writing's on the wall and he wants out as soon as he, and I think they're going to make him stick it out now. It's like he's, he snapped on a reporter. He doesn't want to be there anymore. And they did make the playoffs last year and then lost in charger like fashion on to Trevor Lawrence in his Trevor Lawrence is like four interception. Oh yeah. You're right about that. The loss, but the, it, it, that's their only post season experience with Herbert. So yeah, it did. I don't Staley doesn't want to be there anymore either. He knows he's not coming back next year. So and Tucker, I think your point about the contract is good because Herbert has already signed his extension, but this year his cap hit was only, I think was only 8 million, eight and a half million. Yeah. Eight and a half million next year. It jumps up to 19 and a half million, which still for a, an elite quarterback, that is a, that is a good cap number for an elite quarterback. So I do think Justin Herbert is, but then after that, we're getting into the thirties and the forties and the fifties, and they can kick a lot of that down the road and they will, and they'll restructure and that's what they'll do. But these, these, this opportunity with, a elite quarterback on a on a manageable cap hit that you're not even really having to play with money to get to that manageable cap hit that like you said is so valuable they have one more year of that before things start to get start to get a little odd and yeah they can't waste it with Brandon Staley and on Justin Herbert Justin Herbert went into like god mode on their last touchdown drive he ran he threw he threw an absolute laser to Keenan Allen and none of it mattered like absolutely none of it mattered. Wide receivers dropped passes. Our favorite wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, dropped a pass that, at the very least, would have put them into field, field goal range. An sure. opportunity I don't to think the game. It gets to the host, but it's a field goal, and it, it was right in I, his hands. And that was like drop number two on a huge play. Today. But he hit, and I don't want to just pick on Quentin Johnston because, yeah. Keenan Allen had a yeah. had a touchdown pass, hit him literally between the numbers. The point of the ball hit him between the numbers. And he, you know, he might not have been able to see it. It seemed like there were some shadow things. But anyway, Justin Herbert did everything he could. And my question, my question is this: the defense could not hold on against Jordan Love. And if Brandon Staley's defense, he's a defensive coach. If Brandon Staley's defense cannot hold on against Jordan Love, then what is the point of Brandon Staley? Like it really, that's, it's that simple to me. What is the point of your defense if you can't hold on against him? Uh, the Chargers, they're out of the playoffs now. I mean, the playoffs, the, I mean, it. wild that's things it. happen in the NFL. Playoffs it. feel done. They're, they're last place in the division. Where are we going? going? What are we doing? It's, it's just a really, really tough situation. And they're and, now uh, in the twilight of Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. So you've now wasted, Keenan Allen has been absolutely balling this year. And, You've wasted his age 31, 32 season. You've got him for one more. Quinton Johnson is not an up and coming player. I think we can we can make an early declare on that. So we're not gonna no, we're not gonna write off rookie wide receivers. What I will say is I'm getting <laughs> I am getting Jalen Rager vibes. Yeah. I apologize, Tucker. I am getting Jalen Rager vibes. So, but I'm not gonna write off a rookie wide receiver. That's we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're going to have to start over on offense as well within two years because Mike Williams is aging. He's now gone undergone another major injury. So that another concern moving forward for the Chargers. This this was probably their last best chance at doing something with a good roster. 
and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, their cap hits next year are wild. wild. So it might not even be it might not even be a matter of do you want to keep them as can you keep them with with what their cap hits look like. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's it's another situation. And like the Chargers have a positive point differential and uh their last place in their division uh behind a lot of teams that don't and that is that is a just damning indictment of coaching. We have a couple we have a couple comments here. First of all, I want to get to a fantasy question. Start Brandon Powell or Marvin Mims. Uh, Curtis, I think my take on that is if you're feeling good about where you are in the matchup, do you start Brandon Powell because he has been getting targets and he's going to get you something. If you really need that that upside, hope for the best. You start Marvin Mims. Mims did play more snaps last week. He did run more routes. It didn't ultimately matter. I think he has negative 14 yards of total offense in like the last month. But but if you're really like looking for the moonshot, Mims would be it. But Powell is definitely the safer bet. And I would I would project Brandon Powell for more points. Is that kind of where you stand? Yeah, I think so. Half PPR. He's still probably going to get more points. But I still think back to that Devonta Smith catch against the Vikings where he got way behind the the blitzing and whatever Brian Flores was throwing at the Eagles there and man Marvin Mims and that's the one thing Russell Wilson does good so if I can't ever write him off man he's so fun to see and that is Russell Wilson's strength so maybe Sean Payton dials one up tonight that's all Let's hope for the best. If you're listening to this after the fact, we do record this before the Sunday night game. So you'll know uh, if we were, if we were correct or not and kind of our, our approach to this, we got a, we got a question here from Tristan. I really want to get to this question from Tristan because I think it's a fair question. Would a one-legged Aaron Rodgers be much worse than Zach Wilson? And uh, I don't, I don't think the answer is no. Like, I don't know how we're going to get worse. That game, I believe, has gone – it's not even quite gone final yet, but the Buffalo Bills, uh, as we're recording, but the Buffalo Bills are going to crush the New York Jets. Zach Wilson got benched in this game for Tim Boyle. You know what's funny, Tucker, is that at the end of last week, after that game, Robert Sala came out and said that he thought Zach Wilson was, and I'm quoting here, playing pretty well and it's like as a coach i know you have to defend your guys and you can't like you can't bury your guys on like to the media you can't do that but at some point if you're saying that zach wilson is playing pretty well you're also making yourself look like a clown and like you have to go well we have some this is how you coach speak your way around that Mm -hmm. robert sala yeah well you know he's trying we got Mm -hmm. he's working really hard we've got some things that we need to work on we need to improve on a team you don't say that zach wilson's playing pretty well because he's not and he got benched in this game rightfully so uh it there are there are reports Aaron Rodgers claims he's going to be back by week 16. I don't know what this team will even have to play yep. for by then. Tucker, it looks it looks like a mess. It just looks like an absolute mess. It it looks bleak. And to get Ben for Tim Boyle, who I think is the least accomplished quarterback, maybe in NFL history. I mean, the guy threw 12 touchdowns and like 30 interceptions in his college career and somehow latched on. And he started three games for Detroit a couple years ago and, and stunk. Um, so, I mean, maybe they found the one quarterback in the NFL who's worse. And Zach Wilson with shout outs of the Jets for, for being able to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's weird because it felt like we all saw this coming, didn't we? Like every week, it's like, well, you can't do it again. And when Robert Sala doubles down again and doubles down again and doubles down again, like that's fine. Like, I understand you can't throw Zach Wilson under the bus, but my goodness, like eventually, when the time comes to pull the plug, you're the one that's gonna look ridiculous. You're the one people are gonna start yeah. questioning because. You're the guy who stood up in front of the media every week and said, he's our quarterback. He's the guy we're sticking with. And 
maybe you're sitting here and you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to get back, which if he, if he does come back, I think would be insane. But I, like you said, I'm, I'm curious if they'll even have anything to play for come week 16, 17, 18, whenever he's able to get back on the field. I just, I mean, if you're Robert Sala and you're in the business of keeping your own job, I don't see how what you've done over the last four or five weeks where you've committed to this guy again and again and again, then you finally pull him for Tim Boyle. That doesn't really put a lot of points in the Robert Sala category, does it? Like, I don't think it's helpful to him or the organization or Zach Wilson. I mean, everyone in New York right now is a loser because the way they've handled this the last five weeks. And the thing about Sala is, and I've heard a lot of like, I don't know, chatter about how good of a coach he is. First of all, his side of the ball is dominant. His side of the ball and what he's supposed to be coaching is dominant. They have managed to win games despite the starting quarterbacks that they've had over the last two years. They've managed to be a at nearly 500. I don't have the record on top of my head. At worst, nearly 500 team with literally the three worst starting quarterbacks in the league last year and then Zach Wilson for the majority of this year. To me, that shows that that's a good coaching job. But you're right, Tucker. If you keep coming out and saying stuff like that in the media, then that's it's rough, Curtis. He can't be. This has to be an ownership call. They're like Robert Saul is too smart to be making this call on his own. So I agree. And if it's not, then he should probably be looking for a new job in the summer. But I, when he said he pled the fifth earlier, was that two weeks ago about why they keep starting Zach Wilson? Uh, it's got to be com coming from above. So It'll be interesting to see how that offseason goes because yet again they have a dominant defense and it's a young defense too. So it's it's going to continue to stay this way. They just needed that one piece and they had it and for one and a half snaps this season. Yeah, we have uh, producer Matt. Thank you for coming in clutch, Matt. Uh, seven and ten last year, four and five this year. So yeah, not not too terribly far off five hundred with those starting quarterbacks. It's not a bad job. Four and thirteen his first year. So obviously, you know, obviously not great, but I don't, I don't think he's necessarily done a terrible job, but this has just been an awful situation and they tried to fix it to be fair to the Jets. They tried to fix it. They, they maybe got messed up by their own turf and they, you know, they had an Achilles injury and it is what it is, but yeah, going down this path any further, just, it didn't make, didn't make sense. As for the bills, I mean, they, the offense pulled away. They ended up scoring 32 points. Josh Allen looked pretty good today. He had a good Josh Allen day against a good defense. His throw on that Khalil Shakir touchdown was a dart, that touchdown. I, um, yeah, I don't really know kind of where, where to go here for this Bills defense. This is, I mean, offense, I think we're going to need to see them against a more competitive team to really know. But do you all have any, Tucker, do you have any overarching thoughts on kind of what we saw with this, this new Bills offense? I mean, they look they look good and you mentioned like that the Jets defense has been what's kept them alive and, and has been an elite unit and probably a, a top three defense top five defense uh you know on a week-to-week -week basis so the fact that they were able to go out there and they they hung 32 on them and Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen he didn't turn the ball over the way he has been in recent weeks the running game um actually got a lot of traction James Cook looked pretty good I mean it's hard to draw conclusions after one week and, and a lot of times you see this where if Something happens like an offensive coordinator gets fired and you change things up a little bit and players play, play a little bit more inspired football that you, you get a good result. But I think when you factor in the opponent that they're facing in a Jets defense that has been so elite, you know, pretty much every week this season, 
if you're a Bills fan, you have to be optimistic. I mean, you don't necessarily have a, you know, a stranglehold on a playoff spot right now, but considering what you did today, I, I think you have to be pretty optimistic and pretty confident in this unit continuing its success moving forward. Can I? Yeah. And I mean, they did all that? of that. Sorry. Sorry, Curtis. They did all of that without Stefan Diggs really catching anything. And Gabe Davis didn't catch a single pass. So. Yeah, maybe that's promising. Sorry, what are you saying, Curtis? Has the offense ever been the problem? I think the firing the offensive coordinator was just hiring the fact that the defense is dreadful, and they played Zach Wilson today. So next week they have the Philadelphia Eagles on tap who are going to absolutely light that secondary up. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. And the offense has been top five in EPA, and Josh Allen is – probably should be in consideration for the MVP and they just hid the fact that the defense stinks and they played Zach Wilson today. So I, I'm not surprised by today's uh, performance because I think the offense has been efficient. It just has stuttered at a couple inopportune times that after the defense has given up a lot of points. So it's one of those things. The offense was always really good. Josh Allen is really good. They just make some weird play calls sometimes. He thinks that I think that the I don't he could shouldn't have been fired in my opinion, but the criticism of Ken Dorsey was legitimate, especially after the Dawson Knox injury. And they had they were forced to move into 11 personnel and it was pretty stale and they weren't as good. Those like all of those like season long numbers during those weeks, they weren't as good. And so I kind of get that. But yeah, you're right. That's not the issue. And this this matchup was not a matchup that was meant to test that issue and so it's yes. really you know not that surprising that they were able to do what they did we had some other kind of big favorites this week we had the cowboys big favorites dolphins big favorites lions pretty big favorites as well all three of those teams struggled a little bit i mean the cowboys were able to walk away in the fourth quarter but they were with the, the panthers were in a touchdown of the cowboys late in the third quarter so that was interesting the dolphins couldn't pull away from the raiders at all the lions needed 17 points in the final three minutes to beat the bears any of those performances tucker strike you as a concern or is it just kind of one of those i don't know we know we can walk through this game and we're just going to walk through this game kind of situation yeah i mean as much as it'd be fun to, to talk about the cowboys they were in clear control of that game and, and you know the they yeah. put what 14 points up in about nine seconds to, to pull when pull they needed to do Carolina. it they did it yeah and and you knew you know price young and that offense wasn't wasn't coming back um but i i just think detroit's interesting because i i think it is admirable and it should be commended the fact that they keep fighting back and they never quit and you know, this is back to back weeks now where they've had to go through, you know, pretty much the final seconds to, to beat a team that, quite frankly, they should be, right? Like, I don't think the Bears are as good as the Chargers team they beat last last week, but it's just interesting because they haven't beaten a really good team yet. And we had this conversation earlier in the season about them and the Dolphins, about how they haven't beaten well, a great hold team. Hold on. And I have to step in. I have to step in. They beat the Chiefs in week one, and Lions fans are always going to bring that up. But since. <laughs> Since week one, Tucker. Yes, I agree with you. Sorry, I I have to be the Lions, the voice of the Lions fans. So you're welcome, Lions. That's fair. Anyway, sorry, Tucker. That's fair. And Kerr's <laughs> mentioned they didn't have Travis Kelsey and whatever, but that that probably is their signature win, and that's the one thing that when you do make it. the argument, yeah. I just did. That's the asterisk next to it. But I mean, right now, like they're a team that I think there's a really good conversation we had of are they a team you want to play in the playoffs because they don't quit, right? They they fight. I think what Dan Campbell has done emotionally to that locker room and the way they've been galvanized. Like they're a team that I don't think if you get up 14 
in the first half of a playoff game, they're going to go away. But on the flip side is the fact that they're struggling, you know, to really be on top and play from ahead against teams like this. I mean, could they be a team that gets the number one seed in the NFC based on their schedule and they get the week off and they come into the divisional round and whoever they play, whether that's the, the Cowboys or Seahawks or whoever, who may have a little bit more playoff experience, can they go into Ford field and, and knock them off? I just think it's an interesting conversation to be had because until we see them and based on their schedule, they're not going to have another win like what they had in week one. Um, I just think these question marks are going to be had, whether they're the one seed, the two seed, the three seed, in the NFC, until we see them win a playoff game. Yeah, and I think that that Ravens loss and the way they were crushed by the Ravens is going to be difficult to shake for a while. But and we might not it might not matter because we might not actually see them play another team like that. I don't have their schedule exactly off the top of my head. I know it's pretty easy. I know they have a path here, especially with what the Eagles have over the next over the next five weeks, that they have a path here to the number one seed in the NFC. And I think you're right. We could come out of we could be in week two of the playoffs and wondering what the Lions are still. And that would be that would be really be an interesting outcome. What I will say here quickly about the Lions, they still average five point seven yards per play. They quickly scored points when it mattered. They just turned the ball over. That's what happened in this game. They turned the ball over, which is going to happen sometimes. And so I kind of see this more as like kind of a fluky thing. But I think your point is right in that we still don't exactly know what we have here with the Lions. Um, any thoughts on the Lions, Curtis, or the Dolphins? Because I think the Dolphins might be the one where I where I'm a little bit concerned about. Yeah, weird. I, I was going to be, I was high after the Mark Andrews injury. I was higher on the Dolphins probably coming out of that AFC because I think the defense has to start to trend positively and the offense with De Devin A chain should have been a little bit better, but that only lasted for a couple plays and they were playing a, a Vegas team that is playing kind of shorthanded strategically. They, they're just running up to the line, running Josh Jacobs, or throwing it to Devontae Adams. There's not a whole lot in their game plan, and they're winning just, or they're competing based on the culture they have right now. They they love to play for this coach, so I, I thought they were going to lose by about 30 today. I thought Mike McDaniel would be the guy that just lit that defense up, and they they struggled. So, yeah, another that's another concerning game because the Raiders can't get a lot of pressure. Tua struggled under pressure. Tua didn't have it again today. So that's that's a few question marks for that offense. And maybe maybe the defense steps up with a, a depend. I think Jalen Ramsey just got the wind knocked out of him there for that one play. But it seems like that. Yeah. Their their trend. That's a defense that I thought was going to trend better, but the offense has trended quite a bit worse. I know they can't continue the pace they were on to start the season, but they've really dropped off. Yeah, I think, yeah, that that was a kind of, um, it was a concerning performance from Tua. It wasn't a terrible performance, but it was a concerning performance going up against this defense. But like you mentioned, this this team as a whole is playing better. And I, I wanted to look at the final stats, and it, Aiden O'Connell did get Jacoby Myers four catches for 49 yards. My question was going to be, why does Aiden O'Connell hate Jacoby Myers? That was going to be, that was going to be my only question. We have a we have a question here in the chat from Cruz Garcia. There's a lot going on there, Cruz. Yeah, I don't know. So. You could tweet at us. You could tweet at us and we'll talk about it. But I do think one part of this question is really interesting is choosing between Puka and Tank Dell going forward, especially if Cooper Cup is out. That is going to be 
it's going to be a rough decision, Curtis. And I don't know. It's to I, me, yeah, that is like, they're going to be ranked very like close. a rough decision. You can't go wrong either way. They're both going to be elite players. And I'm probably looking at your other wide receivers to, to fire on the bench. Cause both those guys, if Cooper cup is out, those, both those guys are absolute easy starts. And then he's got Pollard who is still getting the opportunities. You got Gibbs. He's going to touchdown today. Yeah. Right? Some of us cheered loudly for that one. Uh, and then you got Gibbs who is, Getting some goal line work, he's going to catch catch some passes, and uh, Kyron, who's it seems like a not a not a bad problem to have all these good players, and things can change really quickly moving forward too, as we saw today. So it's good to have that much depth moving into the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think so too. Uh, I think Gibbs is actually of that group. Gibbs is the one that you're really excited about. Another question here, real quick: Should I trade Gus Edwards for Travis Etienne? <laughs> yes. If if someone's giving you Travis Etienne for Gus Edwards, you trade that uh, in a heartbeat, and uh, you you don't look back. We we didn't mention the Aaron Jones injury. We were talking about the Chargers because I was so I was so upset about Brandon Staley. We didn't mention the Aaron Jones injury. It's an odd injury based on like what we saw, Tucker. And then what we saw on the field and kind of his reaction to it. And then what we've heard after the game. So talk a little bit here about Aaron Jones and kind of what, what should we read into this situation? Yeah, it's a tough one. And once again, they're a team that that's playing on Thursday. So Aaron Jones out for week 12, I think we can say pretty confidently, but it didn't look good on the field. He also wasn't the only Packers running back to be carted off the field, right? Cause uh, Wilson got, got carted off, uh, uh, you Daniel know, in the Wilson, next quarter. Yeah. So, we're not sure about that either, but it was something that when you saw it happen and thought, well, that doesn't look good. And then both Aaron Jones and Matt LaFleur said after the game that it wasn't a torn ACL. They, you know, avoided a, a serious injury and they don't expect it to be long-term. Now, long-term could mean a number of things. It could mean they don't expect him to go on the IR. Maybe he only misses two or three weeks instead of four. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's still a multi-week injury, but He's not going to end up being put on the IR, but it, it's kind of interesting because I think what we saw on the field and the initial reaction is a lot different than what Matt LaFleur and Aaron Jones said in the locker room after the game. And I mean, even the fact that he was available um, for, for media yeah. questions, I think is a positive sign for, for Aaron Jones. I do want to make a mention. I just saw this come across that Pete Carroll said that Kenneth Walker had a pretty legit oblique strain. And so it sounds like he's going to miss some time. So just another thing to take away with that news. And then also with this Aaron Jones news, kind of what are you, what are you doing on the waiver wire with some of, with some of these running backs here, Curtis? Yeah, we're waiting to see what veterans they bring in. Pete Carroll loves veteran running back. So I'm assuming he'll bring someone in the, Packers had James Robinson on the practice squad up until a couple of weeks ago. And you had mentioned the name of the young guy that they had just signed earlier. He's a guy, I guess. What, what, I, what, yeah. What? Oh, I forgot his name already. I do know him. He was, he was and a bit of a, a bit of a like, thing, but I'll, I'll have to go find him while you're talking. EJ Dallas will get some passing game work if the, if they trail the 49ers next week. So it, it, it's worth a shot if you need somebody to catch three, four passes. I, I would assume he's going to have a couple receptions. He He's one of Pete Carroll's favorites too. He always manages to steal work from the bell cow back. And yeah, so I, I'm interested in the Packers because I'm not as optimistic about Aaron Jones. This is the aging running back that was kind of day-to-day for two months with a hamstring injury that kept 
keeping him out. So just these injuries are piling up for him. He's 28, 29 years old. He's not healing as quickly. And the Packers season is coming to an end for playoff chances really quickly as well. So unless they win a couple here really quickly, I don't know if he's going to rush back for the last two or three games. So I'm paying attention to the backup that they have because A.J. Dillon did struggle when he had the lead role at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and we got, again, uh, producer Matt Clutch, as always, coming in with Elias uh, Ellis Merriweather uh, in the chat, who I believe was on the Saints in the preseason. Was he Was he the preseason legend from the Saints, DFS legend from the Saints? I, I believe that's right. I could be wrong about that. Um, but, yes, Ellis Merriweather is on, is on the uh, practice squad. But, yeah, I think the Packers will probably bring somebody in if Aaron Jones is going to miss, you know, three or four weeks. And so we'll see AJ Dillon. I mean, obviously that's going to be the, the guy, but yeah. he wasn't very good in that, in that role early in the season. And once Aaron Jones came back, he was fine again. So we'll have to see what goes from there. Another injury to a running back. We had Devin a chain who Tucker, it sounds like him missing was just him sitting out the rest of that game felt very precautionary, right? It didn't seem like this was actually a real problem for a chain. Yeah, and as someone who, you know, was excited about his return and made sure to put him in all his fantasy lineups yeah. this week, I didn't necessarily it was appreciate really exciting. Yeah, the, it was the really kids' exciting. clothes they handled him with this week. But, yeah, I mean, at least that's better than the alternative. And given how he, you know, missed the last, I think, four or five weeks with the injury, them being cautious, I think, makes sense, um, especially with kind of the, the stable running backs they have, right? Like, their rushing attack wasn't necessarily an issue with Raheem Mostert. And, and you know uh the other guys in that backfield so I, I think they were right to maybe keep be cautious and make sure he's healthy moving forward um because he can be a big part of this offense so the fact that he pretty much was on the sideline like begging to go back in the game they they told him to hang out and, and take it easy is a good sign that i think he'll be he'll be ready to go for week week 12. one more semi-notable fantasy injury to talk about before we, we hit a few more of these games. Dante Foreman left with an ankle injury. He did not return. He was kind of playing as the lead back early in that game. And then uh, it seems like Khalil Herbert took over after that. Roshan Johnson did have some snaps. Anything from that situation stick out to you, Curtis? No, it just uh, makes the three-headed monster a two-headed monster, which is a little bit easier to digest as a fantasy owner because, yeah, the Foreman started out and then Herbert had a few and then they sprinkled in Roshan when they weren't even sprinkling Roshan in. They were put playing Darrington Evans ahead of Roshan weeks ago. So it's one of those. It, it's just a nightmare when you're having to fade two other running backs to steal carries. So if he is out, it just kind of gives you a little more confidence in starting Khalil Herbert. I know I have him on a couple rosters, and I didn't put him in today just because you, you never know what he's going to get in the first game back. Just gives you more confidence yeah. with Herbert moving forward. Yeah, I think that that's a good takeaway is that you're going to feel better about what Herbert's, Herbert's role, because I think it's becoming clear that that early down role, that's either going to be Foreman or Herbert or them sharing it if they're both healthy. And then Roshan's going to be more of a, you know, in that secondary role. And so I think that that's probably the takeaway. We just feel better about Herbert yeah. coming out of this. A, a few other injuries here to mention. Darius Slayton had an arm injury. He was having a massive game for the, uh, we're not going to talk about that game, but Tommy DeVito. And the fighting done that a couple, uh, <laughs> their first matchup when I had him in every DFS lineup again. <laughs> Yeah, Darius Slayton, go and score those fantasy points. But yeah, he has an arm injury. 
then we had a couple that don't look great. Joey Bosa had a foot injury. He was emotional as he was leaving. It kind of looks season ending. We hope hope for the best for Joey Bosa. And then Mackay Becton had an ankle injury that didn't look good either. So, you know, hoping for the best on those. All right, let's hit a few more of these games here. I guess we need to talk about this game because it is important. Both of these teams are as we stand right now in the playoffs. But the Browns won one of the ugliest games I've ever seen against the Steelers. It was an affront to modern football. Uh, the teams combined to average 3.9 yards per play. The quarterbacks both averaged 3.8 yards per attempt. This was not modern football. It was ugly. But the Browns won, Tucker. And so now... You know, they they won with uh, Temple legend P.J. Walker. Now they've won with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, can they keep this up? Like, is is this possible that we're going to keep seeing this in the AFC? Or are both of these teams headed for maybe the exits of the playoffs here? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I think it kind of makes sense for the Cleveland Browns, a franchise that has struggled to find a franchise quarterback since they were resurrected. Them just winning without a quarterback makes sense to me. Right, like them just going through the rest of the season, relying yeah. on their defense and not even worrying about putting you know anybody competent back under center. I just think it makes sense. Like it fits for that team, it fits for that city. Rally behind, yeah. like just bringing a new guy every week yeah. off the practice squad, see what happens, see if you can catch lightning in a bottle. But you know, you look at the rest of their schedule. I think they have a game against Jacksonville, might be the toughest one that they have over their last uh, six games, seven games, or whatever. So. I mean, they're a team right now that I'd be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs, which is crazy to say, given who they have starting at quarterback. But this is also a theme I think we're kind of seeing around the league this year, where in a year where there hasn't been a whole lot of elite quarterback play, there are a lot of teams that are getting in based on just having a weak schedule or having an easier schedule to where you can get away with having a quarterback, you know, throwing for four yards an attempt or under four yards attempt. I think Thompson Robinson had like 160 yards on 45 attempts today. So I just, if they don't turn the ball over and they can, you know, keep their defense in, in a good position and, and not hand them a, a bunch of short fields, they're a team that I don't know if they can go deep in the playoffs or, or play a team that has a legit offense, but for the teams that they have on their schedule, I think they're going to have no problem getting to 10, 11 wins. You know, they have the Broncos who we're going to see tonight. Again, we record this seven thirty Eastern come join us on YouTube, but we record this ahead of Sunday Night Football. We'll see tonight uh, that they have Denver next week. Uh, that Denver team might kind of actually be good. It's so quietly, quietly good. So that that could be interesting. Then they get the Rams, Bears, Texans, Jets, Titans. Yeah, there are a lot of wins on that. There are a lot of possible yeah. wins on that. They're already seven and three. They get to ten wins, they're in. And so yeah, we might be looking at we might be looking at DTR in the uh or pj walker sorry I, I i will never say anything bad about temple legend pj walker uh in the in the playoffs which you're not allowed be, to that would be show. fun that's our one yeah, rule not, that's our one rule as we talk we always talk good about pj walker um yeah i i think the browns are in a good spot the steelers i mean it, it is what it is now jalen warren had 145 yards uh, from scrimmage every other skill player combined for 133 curtis that seems like uh that seems like a problem that seems that seems interesting like what are we what do we they, do with this offense and, like and i just thrown the ball over the middle of the field one time in the last three games i believe it, it it's absolutely criminal the offense that they're running right now and like, can can we please fire up Mitch at some point? Kenny Pickett is not the guy, and they just refuse. They they know what he is by as they've designed this offense. 
you have Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and you get, they refuse to throw the ball. Like it, Pat Fryermuth came back and he's, he's obsolete because Kenny Pickett's not allowed to throw the ball to the middle of the field. So I, I made some bad fab ads last week thinking Fryermuth was a good ad, but he's, he's a great tight end, but he is not going to get any volume because it's uh, the Jalen Warren show and Najee Harris. Yeah. Which I, maybe we need to lean a little more into the Warren part mm. of that of that show, but yeah, that's that's where we are. I, I don't really think there's much to say about it. It just they are going to hide Kenny Pickett as much as they can for reasons that are obvious if you watch Kenny Pickett, and it's you know it is, and maybe they'll get into a game script situation where we can get one of those fun eight catches for 70 yards from Deontay Johnson. And maybe we get, you know, Pickens gets loose on a slant and is able to take it to the touch, take it to the house. But that's really what you're hoping for. That's the extent of what you're hoping for from a receiver fantasy perspective in this team. And it's just, there's too much talent in that. Deontay Johnson's a good receiver. George Pickens has the talent to be a good receiver. We haven't seen it yet, but you know, the offense might be there and that's, it's sad that this is what we've we've reverted to, but here we are. We mentioned they're going to play uh, the Browns are going to play the Jaguars. That if one of their big games left, the Jaguars bounce back. You know they got crushed by the 49ers, bounce back with a big win over the Titans. They, you know, their offense, their passing game looked better than it has looked in a while. I mean, it was against the Titans, so take that with a grain of salt. But Calvin Ridley had seven catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns, had an 18-yard run. Does this change your mind about the Jaguars at, at, at all, Tucker? Or are we just still kind of, it was the Titans and we're just going to, we're going to see what happens when they play a real passing defense? Yeah, I mean, any, like, yeah, I would be worried if they didn't have a good game today, right? So the fact that they did, I guess, is is at least somewhat positive. But yeah, I just, I don't. I don't really know what to think of the Jaguars right now. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence had a, had a good day, but like you said, it was against a, a secondary and a past events that isn't necessarily a, a top end unit. So, I mean, for Jacksonville, once again, just like the Browns, like credit to them for beating up on a division that that's pretty, pretty woeful at the moment, but it looking ahead and looking down the barrel at, at them playing in the postseason, I just, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I really don't. I mean, Doug Peterson has, a history of success in the postseason. Their offense has shown signs of, you know, humming along. And if Zay Jones, um, you know, kind of gets back into the swing of things, at least that's just another wide receiver that, that they can add. But I just, I, I have a hard time, you know, picking them to go deep into the postseason or really being, you know, a, a top end AFC contender from what I've seen so far this year. Yeah, we need to see, we need to see Lawrence play well multiple weeks in a row before we get this. I just want to mention Will Levis. Will Levis is you know, crashed back to earth. They He had 17 attempts in this game in a game they lost by 20, which is which is hilarious. But he did get the deep the deep shot to Hopkins. He had a deep shot to someone else, Chris Moore, I think. So maybe he's going to keep making those happen. But yeah, it's, it, was, it wasn't great for that passing game. Uh, to the Texans, they're the Jaguars' only competition really now in the division. The Texans, they survived a three-interception game here from C.J. Stroud. Two of those interceptions were not good. However, he also threw an absolute dot to Tank Dell for the touchdown. So, like, even with the three interceptions, I came away from this game going, yeah, C.J. Stroud's that guy, right, Curtis? Like, he's still good. It's, yeah, and it's he really been, been it's impressive every week. He may have been playing with a concussion, too. So that, that makes the interceptions a little bit more. I wasn't. I wasn't going to bring that up because I don't want to be like conspiracy theory, but he got absolutely 
planted into the ground one, like one an undertaker tombstone maybe more yeah. than one play in the side off on the sideline was probably needed but it it is what it is at this point uh, the the rules are so inconsistently they're inconsistently consistent that who knows so that's exactly applied yeah yeah so that i give them a bit of a pass because of that on the the couple of mistakes but yeah yet again we just see these throws that he's capable of making and tank dell gets open like an elite receiver it's gonna be a fun pairing to watch in for future years yeah and people are you know disappointed in what we're seeing from nico collins nico collins came back played good nothing wrong with what nico collins mm -hmm. it was just tank dell was commanding targets and D dalton schultz is getting open across the middle and had his touchdown and you know that happens in good offenses that mm -hmm. have good good weapons i even think you know nico's playing well so yeah this this offense is certainly I mean, it's it's really impressive to see the turnaround of this team under D'Amico Ryan's with C.J. Stroud and what they've what they've been able to do. Also, this team's been able to run the last two weeks with Devin Singletary at five point one yards per carry. If this team is able to run, and sorry, Damon Pierce, I, I don't think you're coming back to a starting job whenever you get back. If this team is able to run with Devin Singletary and that offense is able to do that, then yeah, they're they're a real they're a real threat for for where we have one more game here to talk about the 49ers jumped out to an early lead against the bucks it looked like they were going to crush them but they kind of the game slowed down they just kind of held on to to the lead but i mean brock purdy was was perfect in this game i believe he had a perfect passer rating if i'm correct if he didn't lose that later in the game they're once again creating big plays brandon Ayuk had a massive play uh they're they're creating long passing plays uh, the 49ers are back to looking like what they were early in the season. They get the Seahawks this week, like we talked about. We don't. Kenneth Walker's probably not playing. Geno will he be hurt. This is a this is a team that has a chance over the next three weeks to, I think, really make their mark. Tucker. Yeah, I mean, in this game on on Thursday, really, if they win that, I think they create enough separation where they're going to win that division, and they don't necessarily have to have to worry about that. And I mean, what we saw from Brock Purdy this week is what we saw from him earlier in the season, right? And we talked about it a little bit last week that he had a lot of turnover-worthy plays. He kind of got away with it. And then they had that three-game stretch where he was throwing interceptions. And and last week, he he kind of was able to avoid that and keep the ball out of harm's way. And he did it again this week. He was 21-25. to 25. He had a 75-yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. He had a 40-yard pass to, to Debo Samuel. I think uh, uh, the, the tight end uh kittle had had a long catch as well i mean they just look really explosive again on offense and when you have those two wide receivers and kittle and mccaffrey all on the field at the same time it's hard to stop it's almost impossible to stop i might say it's impossible to stop but i mean if you have those four weapons out there it makes the quarterback's job a lot easier and what kyle shanahan's been able to do when all those guys are healthy I mean that that unit right now, like you, you don't need much out of your quarterback with those four guys running wide open down the field. It is definitely the most complimentary put together offense where ab it's just absolutely perfect when all those guys are healthy. That you're right. I don't think you can stop them unless it's a a mistake by Purdy because they just all do something a little bit differently, and one of them is always open. We have Michael here in the chat saying Brock Purdy's a national treasure. Michael Huff, who writes for us in his DFS values column, I had a bunch of hits in it. DJ Moore and uh, Tank Dell and Brock Purdy himself was in there. So uh, yeah, so so shout out to Michael. It was a good 
good calls this week. I mentioned the th- next three weeks. They, they're at the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. Then they're at the Eagles. Then they get the Seahawks at home over the next three weeks. So that is a that is a very important run here for this 49ers team. But yeah, they they look to be back. All right, let's let's start getting out of here. Before we do, though, any other names for the waiver wire we need to be thinking about looking at here before we get into, into the week, Curtis? Yeah, if Michael Wilson stays out, uh, Greg Dorch becomes the short pass legend that he was for a couple of weeks last year as well, because Rondell Moore Moore is taking a bit of a deeper role, and Marquise Brown is the the cardio guy right now, and Greg Dorch is the dump-off guy, and and Kyler doesn't really target running backs on a very consistent basis. So if Michael Wilson is out, Greg Dorch is going to catch five balls every game moving forward. So it's it's an easy PPR pickup, and he's done well with those touches. He did it did it again today. Rondell Moore only had one. Did he have one catch? It was a big play, but Ky- it was a touchdown. Yeah, it was a long touchdown. But it was Kyler it was safety. One, yeah. He was Kyler's safety blanket for a portion of the season last year, and it looks like yeah. if the way they trotting out that offense without Wilson, he's the safety blanket again this year. Yep. Torch season's always good season. So right back into that. There's going to be a lot more waiver goodness in Curtis's waiver wire column, which you can find on Tuesday morning over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Part of our fantasy package. Remember, you can get 60% off our fantasy package or our NFL plus package, which includes those fantasy articles. You can get 60% off that over at sharpfootballanalysis.com with the code take 60. So make sure you're checking that out. Tucker, moving forward, we got Thanksgiving this weekend. I mean, this week, anything in particular you're looking forward to, excited about that slate of games we have on, on Thursday? I, I don't know if I'm excited about it. I mean, it is nice that the Lions are actually actually good this year. That's one thing that, like, every year when you're you're watching Thanksgiving football, you know that the 12 o'clock game isn't necessarily the game that you have to tune in for. But I, I think the Lions playing is good. Cowboys Washington, I, I don't think it's going to be much of a game, but that that game at night, 49ers Seahawks on Thursday. The thing I'm kind of most interested in is where the Jets turn on Friday with quarterback. Robert Sala said he's undecided who's going to start. Zach Wilson said it's my fault we lost. I'm taking accountability, which is something we've heard for like three years now. Pretty much after every loss, he, he says it's on me. I'll fix it. I'll get better. And he, he still has it. So anyone who's believing him, that, that he will fix it in the next five days. I I really worry about your gullibility, but I don't know. The, the Jets against the Dolphins on Friday, is Tim Boyle going to get another Thanksgiving weekend start? I I, I hope so, because just for Jets fans, I think any sort of change would, would be positive at this point. I forgot about the Lions-Tim Boyle. I remember the David Blau, <laughs> uh, but I had forgotten about the, the, the Tim Boyle. Yeah, that's... Oof. We're in a much better spot, Detroit. Things are things are looking much better. What about what about you, Curtis? What are, what are you looking forward to this week? Yeah, I'm looking forward to see the Jaguars' offense because one more t- for one more week with Zay Jones because somehow Zay Jones is the skeleton key to make Calvin Ridley an actual piece of their offense. Like they couldn't have put someone else in that spot while Zay Jones missed all those weeks. So I'm looking forward to that, and then I'm looking forward to see the. Bills Eagles next week. I think that could be an absolute shootout. We've got two two pass funnel defenses with some gunslinging quarterbacks and receivers. So that that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be a really fun game. Thanksgiving, I I agree that Thursday night game, but I'm gonna 
I'm in on that. I'm in on Thanksgiving DFS. Like I said, I'm gonna, I'll have something out this week about Thanksgiving DFS. I do love it. I do want to mention for this week, if you're you know a subscriber to the podcast, first of all, thank you very much for that. We will have a bit of a different schedule this week because of Thanksgiving. We're going to have a big Tuesday night podcast at 8.30 Eastern on our YouTube with Todd Burroughs, Ryan McChrystal, and Adam Wild covering the Thanksgiving games from both a betting and a DFS perspective. Can't wait for that. I think it's going to be a really good show. We won't have Rich and I, we won't have Todd and Ryan on Thursday. I think that we could probably assume, I, Rich and I aren't going to do a uh, 11.30 Eastern podcast on on thanksgiving I, I i hope that you could forgive us forgive us for that but yeah we'll be back we'll be back next week so just you know if you're in a podcast feed be looking for that tuesday night show or go and join them on youtube go to youtube search warren sharp you can find us that's it for us like i said go to sharp football analysis have a ton of content on there this week and we will be back to recap uh week 12 we're week 12 we're almost there we'll be recapping it next week come and join us